0: Before we look into God's word together, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thou art the God of the universe, even to say those words humbles us when we realize how small we are, how little we know, how little we see and understand, and how fleeting our life is. Help us to realize that the only sure thing that we can cling to in this life is thee everything else will one day be dissolved. Fame is fleeting. Riches are moth-eaten and corrupted. And even health fails us. But thou, O God, art eternal. Help us to look into thy word now and receive a blessing from the same that we may refocus our vision on thee. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was meditating uh, this afternoon, there was a particular scripture that stood out to me and perhaps a counterpoint to this morning's service. So if you'll turn with me to Peter's second general epistle, the third chapter, 2 Peter chapter 3. Starting from the first verse. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation." For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved for fire, unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Perspective, I think, is one of the most important things that we can possess spiritually. Having the right perspective will help us interpret events and things around us in the proper framework. The wrong perspective, as we heard this morning, can lead to a distorted view of reality. When David looked around, at the wicked and saw how they seemed to be getting away with it they seemed to be prospering when he was having a rough time the problem was one of perspective he says then I went into thy sanctuary and I understood their end the Apostle Peter writes things here also about the end and about perspective. He sets out things that are still very, very current. Scoffers saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. Where is this end of the world that Christianity has been preaching for 2,000 years the apostle Peter points back to another time when the world was full of scoffers the time of Noah Noah building his famous boat arguably the most famous shipwright I think of all time building a boat, and of course it was remarkable because he had never built a boat before. And he was doing it in a place where there was no standing water, neither was there rain. We read about a mist that rose up from the ground and watered everything. It must have been a very humid climate. And so they, of course, made fun of him as well. What they missed and the perspective that they lacked was verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but is longsuffering to usward not willing that any should perish. And again verse 15. An account that the longsuffering of our Lord is salvation. What does that mean? The Lord is waiting, holding out till the last possible moment for those that may still yet turn. Speaking of slack, I don't think Noah was a slacker. He probably could have built that ark in faster time than the 120 years or so that it may have taken. But he was also a preacher of righteousness. And he probably did as much woodworking as he did pleading with the people around there that they would turn, that they would find salvation and and safety in the ark. Think about the perspective of those around him, and then think about Noah's perspective. You know, we read about the boat that Noah built, but we don't read about his house. How much time do you think he spent on home improvements and renovations. How much time do you think he spent acquiring more land? It's a question of perspective, isn't it? If you know you can't keep it, why waste time on it? Unfortunately, I think us as Christians, we suffer from that same myopia, that same nearsightedness forgetting what Peter writes here seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness that ark that we are building is different than the one that Noah did in the sense that Noah was building a physical boat for a physical problem, and we are building a spiritual one. It's, Peter also writes, If judgment begins first at the house of God, where shall the sinner and the ungodly be? Brother and sister, do you realize that the trials and the, and the difficulties that you may be going through in your life right now are helping you build that ark? The difficulties. The problems that we have, especially when it's for the cause of Christ. Sharpen our spiritual perspective. Help us to realize that we are not here forever, that we expect a better place, knowing that everything around us will one day be, as it says, it shall melt with a fervent heat. At a high enough temperature, anything burns. How much are you going to invest in those things that you know are going to burn? Now of course, we are creatures stuck in time. Day follows day. And sometimes, you know, when I am going to bed at night, I'm usually the last one to sleep in our house. As I'm settling into my bed and closing my eyes, I think to myself, one more sleep, one more day, one more day that will not return. Today is done. What I have done in it, I cannot undo. And I have a finite number of these left. What am I doing that matters? a reminder. You know, when we have a, a funeral, it's the same thing. It's a reminder that in the end we can take nothing with us. It's an important truth for all of humanity to realize this. You know, in those moments of, 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 of difficulty when health and life itself may seem in the balance and we're not sure what may happen. It's in those moments that spiritual clarity comes to people. In those moments of difficulty, then perspective snaps into focus. And we see what really matters. And we realize we can't take it with us. And we realize there may be things that are undone in our life that need to be fixed. And for those that are outside of God, there, becomes a, there comes a religious awakening. A sense that I'm not right with the one who controls this universe prayers are offered perhaps for deliverance but then when deliverance come promises are forgotten and things go back to as they were the momentary perspective that was gained has been lost there's another scripture we can read in the Old Testament that says God drives men to destruction and says, Repent, ye children of men. They don't realize that these things that are in our life that cause us to to stop and ponder those big questions that we heard about at the end of this morning's service. They're there for our good. Those questions come to the forefront when everything else gets stripped away. You know, when you have a a crisis of health or or, um, something like that come up, the the, the more mundane things of life, they, they drop away. They're not important. And then you start facing those big questions. The truth is those questions have been there all along. We've just conveniently forgotten them. But for the Christian... the one who has realized and grappled with these questions of existence. Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? They can answer, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Righteousness. Every appetite of man and woman has a fulfillment here on earth. We experience hunger, we know that food satisfies that hunger. We experience thirst, we know drinking water quenches that thirst. Our body has, uh, has other appetites as well, companionship. Sexuality. There are all legitimate answers to all of those, those um, appetites that we have inside of us. But there is one for which there is no solution here. One. That is the appetite for heaven. We all expect something better on the other side of the grave. Even those who have almost no belief... It's only a very few hardened, unrepentant atheists that hold up naked materialism as, a, as, a, as the, the final endpoint of humanity. Some believe in reincarnation. But almost everyone believes in a better existence possible after death. The thing is, there's nothing here to satisfy it. So against that appetite, we try all sorts of things. But in the end, it's like trying to quench thirst by drinking seawater. Money is not enough. Fame is not enough. Good looks are not enough. Gratifying my body is not enough. The wealthy, the famous, the beautiful, all have committed suicide. Suicide. How many of you remember Robin Williams? A comedian. A man that could make people laugh like perhaps no one else could. And yet he took his own life because there was nothing to give him happiness or joy. Think about that. What does that mean? What does that say about existence? Do you not even know that inside yourself there is this expectation that must be more. Try this once. It crossed my mind just the other day. Try to picture yourself in your own casket. The mind rebels against that. There's something in us that just it, it doesn't quite compute. At least it doesn't for me. Maybe it's just me. But there's something in me that says there is more than this and yet I find nothing to satisfy it here. The best meal, the finest symphony, the, the most uh, uh, amazing trip, uh, the most wonderful experience of any kind is always fleeting. And at the end, always leaves me empty. No matter how amazing it is. And I've had the opportunity, the blessing even, to experience some beautiful things, some wonderful things. But it's not a permanent state, it ends, it fades. And I'm left hungry for more. And that hunger is the very thing that tells me I'm looking for something more than this. We, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Isn't that the big theme right now of the election cycle in the States and even to some degree here? Justice, social justice, economic justice, economic equality. Isn't that the big cry? Someone asked, I think it was Daniel Webster, I think that's his first name, of the dictionary fame. He's asking about forms of government. What's the best form of government? And he says, I have determined, gentlemen, that the format of government does not matter as long as the rulers are righteous. As long as the rulers are righteous men, the form of government doesn't matter. I agree with him. And it's not that democracy is so great. As Winston Churchill once famously said, democracy is the worst system of government except for the others. And we see how ugly it gets with something like an election cycle. But this is what people really want righteousness, fairness, equality. The problem is, it's like having dirty hands and trying to clean something. We're all tainted, as it were, by that sin. And so we won't find it here. But the good news is, there is a new heaven and a new earth coming wherein dwells that righteousness that we all seek. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Verse 17 and 18. Ye therefore, beloved, Seeing ye know these things before, before they happen, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. The proper perspective the proper perspective gives you the ability to endure anything when we see it clearly. That, I think, is perhaps what our world needs more than anything else. Christians that don't just speak the Word of God, but see the Word of God clearly, and are obviously have the correct perspective on it because their lives will match what they say that i think is the is the key the thing you know when the anabaptists were being persecuted they couldn't understand why these people would suffer so much they grew tired of persecuting them more than the Anabaptists were tired of their persecutors. It was was an amazing thing. In spite of the horrible things that were being done to them, Mano Simons wrote, even though you deprive us of life and goods and family, yet not one of ours go hungry or unclothed. The same cannot be said of you. Talk, writing to the leaders of the, of the state church. The realization that the measure of blessing is not what we possess here in terms of the things that we call our own. Blessing is knowing what we have in store and seeing that Clearly. That's the inheritance that we need to be concerned about. Everything else here will one day vanish away for the godly and the ungodly. So knowing these things, what manner of persons ought we to be? May the Lord add whatever was lacking. Would our brother please select a hymn? I open the hymnal to hymn number 206. I think it would be an appropriate one. Let's sing the first three verses. actually i'm just reading some of the other verses <laughs> let's sing two verses and I'll, i'd like to read the the rest of the verses in conclusion the first two verses